encouraging and calls all of us higher. Uh, this next Sunday, as is announced, we have our, our worship and singing workshop. It's going to be, I'm excited for it. Saturday evening, if, uh, if you're excited about learning to song lead or participating in song leading or anybody that's interested in just how uh, worship and, and songs flow within our assembly, Saturday evening, uh, Saturday afternoon and evening, you're welcome to come. No matter who you are, you're welcome. Everybody's welcome. Um, and then Sunday, we're going to have our, our worship time here and have um, going to be, I think we'll, I'll have some smaller lessons divided up and then some times of, of singing in between. And then we're going to have, from 4.30 to 6.30, we'll have next Sunday a time where different churches from the area are going to come. We're going to sing together and worship God together. And then afterwards, we'll have a potluck meal on Sunday evening. So everybody is, is welcome to participate with that as well. Exciting time. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm excited for you guys to meet Luke. He's, he's great, but he's not only because he married my cousin, but because he's a great man of faith that's got a tremendous amount to, to share with us, I think, in this area. All right, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 again today. And we talked about some people of faith last time, Simeon and Anna, and the people that were there in the temple that, that welcomed the baby Jesus and talked about, about him. And we're going to, this is continuing on what we're going to be doing this fall and this winter, is going through the story of Jesus according to the Gospel of Luke. Very simple, walking through uh, who Jesus is and why we're here and what it means to follow him. And Joseph and Mary... We're going to go back and, and look at a few things in chapter 2 that really impacted me about Joseph and Mary. And before I jump into that, there was something that, that came up in my mind this week and heart as I was continually reflecting and thinking, is that, th- and I want you to think about this, there is a, and just as, as Cody's walking out, he knows this, if your baby screams, it's fine, okay? Screaming babies are great, if you want to take them out for a little bit, that's fine, if you want to stay, it's fine, Okay. Because screaming babies in the in the community of faith is is just wonderful. That's that's a means that young ones are are learning and hearing the word of God from infancy, and that's awesome. So it, it's all good. Um, there is a just think about someone who has really impacted you. Maybe people they weren't the the best looking or the most eloquent or or anything like that, but people that really impacted you personally. Uh, there's a couple that came to mind immediately, and it was a couple that, that moved to Libby when I was uh, in fifth grade. I remember, in fact, the day that they moved to Libby, is, uh, and they, they came and visited my folks um, and wanted to get to know them because they wanted to get involved with the church and be excited about being there. And, and one of the first things I did as a fifth grader is I, um, I turned my raft over in the creek during high water in the spring and had to swim for my life, and it's just amazing I made it out alive. But that's a different story for another time. But I always remember the time that they showed up in Libby because I almost didn't that same day. And, um, and they were, uh, John and Tracy Graham are their names, and they were, became, over the years, in a way, my second parents. Because they were people that were just dedicated to God day in, day out, in the way that they lived. And they were... Uh, all the way through my growing up years, they were people that were just uh, just great examples. They they were not people that were that were in the front, they were outspoken, but people just day by day demonstrated faithfulness. And and our lives intertwined in all sorts of different ways. And and many of the animals that I 
took as a teenager, uh, somehow John ended up carrying out some of those on his back. You know, just he happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, I guess, is what happened. And that's, that's, uh, he ended up helping out a lot with those things. And so we've talked about keeping score in recent years, and he's packed out eight of my animals, and I've helped him with one or two of his, so I owe him big time. You know, that, that tally's still going. And John and Tracy, um, a few years ago, moved uh, down to Hawaii because they said, we've done Montana, it's either Alaska or Hawaii, if we're going to go bigger. And they moved to Hawaii, and, and John serves as one of the elders at the Pearl Harbor Church of Christ now, continuing to do godly stuff and, uh, and working with military families there in the, in the jobs that they have. But it was, uh, they're just, I, I think about people that have impacted me, I think about them. And when we look at Mary and Joseph, when I look through, I get the impression with Mary and Joseph is they're, they're not the types that were religious leaders or anything like that. Joseph was a carpenter. We don't know a lot about them, except that God chose them to bring forth his son into the world. And so there must have been something about them that was amazing. Look at a couple scriptures here. As they were people, and these scriptures will show this, that they're people who were purposeful in fulfilling God's mission in their lives. Look at um, the examples here. Uh, there's, um, and one of these was read here just a second ago. In Luke chapter 2, verses 22, it says that when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, that's baby Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So you notice something about Mary and Joseph is that from the very beginning, they had a purpose and a plan for Jesus because even from when he is first born, they bring him to the temple and they dedicate him. That was part of what the Jews were supposed to do, bring their firstborns to dedicate them to the temple as a way of saying, this child is dedicated to God and I'm going to raise them to love and honor God. And so they do that from the very beginning. And also, you notice, you skip down a little bit, in Luke chapter 2, verse 41, it says that every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And so it wasn't just once in a while, but that was an annual family tradition that they made the trek to Jerusalem to be there for the Passover to worship God, especially in a, in a time of spiritual recharging during that time. Now, if you continue on from Luke 2.41 on down, you see a situation that happens, and, and I find a lot of humor in it, is that they bring Jesus, who's 12 at the time, and they are uh, there at the Passover, and then Mary and Joseph think that, you know, it's the story that was just read by McKeegan, that Jesus is with relatives or some of the other people from their town, and they leave, and they lose him for three days. Okay? My favorite joke on that is, can you imagine Mary and Joseph walking back thinking, oh no, we've lost the Son of God. What on earth are we supposed to do now? You can imagine that conversation, how that would have gone. That would have been pretty rough to walk through that. But Joseph and Mary, I don't get the impression that they were parents that walked through life by fear in that the, the continual protection of, oh, no, 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 something may happen, something may happen, something may happen, I'm terrified. But they knew that God was walking along with them through this parenting process, and they were courageous in that and, and welcomed the influence of their, their relatives in, in the, the life of Jesus. Anyway, they go back and they find Jesus, 12 years old, that he's there at the temple, and he's talking with the religious leaders. And somewhere in the order of 20 years later, Maybe some of those same religious leaders are the ones that execute him. I wonder if they ever remembered that story. I remember if they ever realized that this kid that was 12 years old that impressed us so much is the one that we're now executing. I don't know if they ever figured that. I don't know. But it's interesting to note that some of those same people may have been there. But with Mary and Joseph, what I see from this 
is a phrase that comes to my mind is that they provided growth opportunities for Jesus early and often. Okay, if you're familiar with the, the phrase vote early and often, that came from the dark days of Chicago politics that you'd arrive early at the voting place and you would vote often that day in order to try to influence elections. That's where that phrase comes from. But early and often is, is, a, is a great phrase that we can use in a whole lot of areas of life. I was, got the opportunity to go to a, a Bobcats football game yesterday, first one I've been to with a couple of families in the church. And, you know, I saw those guys out there, they're all uncoordinated, they're small, you know, they just, they just don't, they just like, like they just walked out there, right? Not so much. There's not many places in life where I stand next to somebody and look small, but some of those guys, um, Eastern Washington, I think their average offensive lineman, the average weight across the offensive line was 305 pounds. That's just a little more, a little more than me. Big guys there. And as I watch that game, you see the, the discipline, or lack thereof sometimes, but the discipline that's put in, because those guys have grown up playing that game, they started early, and they've played it often throughout their life. And whenever we want to get good at something, or we want to be proficient at something, we start early, and we do it a lot so that we can become good at it, and it becomes part of us. And that's what Mary and Joseph do with Jesus, is they start very early and often throughout their lives, providing these growth opportunities for Jesus to be able to grow into the person that God wants him to be. And when you look in these verses as well, it shows us something about Jesus' own growth pattern. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 40. You guys are already there, aren't you? Luke chapter 2, look at verse 40. It says, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And then skip down to chapter 2, verses 51 and 52. Then he went down to Nazareth and was with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And look at verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and mankind. So Jesus, throughout his life, continued to grow and to blossom. Now, there's part of this. Let's take a time out here for just a second. Okay, time out. Because the question always comes up is, how is Jesus, who is God himself, grow? Okay, that doesn't make sense. If Jesus is already God, then how is it possible for him to grow? Just like anything else that, that Jesus was, is because Jesus was became a person just like you and I, that he was limited. And so Jesus was limited to the point where he continued to grow throughout his life. Okay? And that's a, there's, there's a lot more that we could talk about that, but we'll just leave it at that for now. Okay? That's part of Jesus limiting self as, as a human, that he continued to grow. And you notice what it says here, and I've divided these into two categories. He grew personally. He grew in wisdom, meaning he grew spiritually, emotionally, intellectually. And you can imagine Mary and Joseph, during the time that they're growing Jesus, and there are other children that they have that the scripture talks about, is that they found ways for Jesus to continue to grow. There was the average, ordinary, uneducated Jewish person, both boys and girls. And the Jews were some of the first that really aggressively educated girls in antiquity, in ancient times, because they wanted everybody to know the words of, of God, and they wanted people to have large portions of God's word memorized so that they could go back to it. Because they, the average person didn't have a scroll. They couldn't just pick it up because it was too costly. So they had it memorized. And so they would have had, as any average, ordinary, dedicated Jewish family, would have put Jesus in situations where he would have been able to, to learn the words of God from people that were 
older and wiser at that point than himself so that he could grow spiritually. Continue to be around um, the words of God. People that were going to be calling him higher. Imagine they were parents that said, here are these people that are part of our community and we want Jesus to be around them so that he can grow and so that he can blossom into the person that God wants him to be. Uh, you see Jesus grow in these ways. You see him grow as well in stature and in strength. Um, I've never been to Nazareth or, or seen, what the, I've seen pictures of what that area looks like. And it's not flat. There's rocky outcroppings all around that area. And I can just imagine as Jesus and his brothers and the other children from that area, how from early on when they didn't have work to do, they had the opportunity to go and to climb and to run and to be active and to do things like that. Because that's good for them. It's part of that, that growth and development. Because if we're, and, and if any of you have ever been, and I, I say this not from my own experience, my very, very limited experience of busting my arm. In fact, I saw someone I hadn't seen in a long time the other day at a store here in town. They said, oh, yeah, I remember you, Chris. You're the one that busted your arm at the youth rally. Yes, that's me. That's right. I did that. And I have the scars to prove it. But I remember when I was all busted up, how it was hard for me to do other things in life. And the body that God has created for us, for Jesus, if, if we're busted up, it's hard, or we're not healthy, it's hard for us to do other things in life uh, in order to, to follow God, and, and um, it just we're limited in that way. So Jesus grew in stature, he grew in strength, and he grew, we, saw, we see here, not only personally, but interpersonally. It says that he grew in favor with God. And so as Jesus went along in life, he started learning more and more who his father was and what he was about. And he, during his quiet times, learned to talk to God. He learned to reflect. He learned to see things from God's way. He learned to be more and more in line of what God wants him to be. And I'm not sure how all that worked. It's hard to think, okay, he's God, but he's growing. That's part of the, the, the paradox of, of Jesus and who he is. But he continued to grow more and more in favor with God. You know, we grow in our relationships like that, don't we? We'll talk about that here more in a minute. But he grew in favor with God, and he grew in favor with other people. And so Jesus, as he continued to grow, learned how to get along with other people, how to treat other people. You know, brothers and sisters are great for that, aren't they? Because how many of you have brothers and sisters? Yeah. Our brothers and sisters always see the best part of us, don't they? Sometimes. But more often, what do our brothers and sisters see in us? The parts that we struggle, the parts that when we're unguarded and we think and nobody's watching, so I'm just going to say ugly stuff, you know, whatever I want. That's the that's, that stuff comes out. So Jesus grew during his time understanding what it meant to, to grow in favor with other people, to get along with other people, how to treat other people, how to walk through life with other people and call other people higher. And Jesus, according to Scripture, he learned and grew in all those things during that time of growing up. And I believe it goes back to Mary and Joseph, way back, saying we're going to expose Jesus to God and what he is supposed to be early and often. That is our priority in life, and that's what we want him to be. And it says there in Scripture that God's grace was upon him. God's favor rested on Jesus and, and all the blessings that come from that. Um, what an amazing story. Luke is the only gospel that teaches a little bit about Jesus' early life. And this is what we see. 
that Jesus had parents that put him in situations for growth, and Jesus grew in all of these different ways, personally and interpersonally. So when I look at that, I think, oh, man, there's some things for me to learn here. Purposefully pursuing God's mission. And how do I do that? Because that entails growth. Okay, we're going to take a time out. I want to talk about because I talk about God's mission quite a bit, but this is a great time to define it quickly before we move on. Okay, there's a God's mission that he's given us, and there's, there's a general mission that is true for all of us. Okay, And we see that in, in some of the things that Mary says earlier in Luke that we talked about, is that Jesus is going to bring mercy, he's going to bring joy, he's going to bring grace to the world. And that's the type of things that we're supposed to show. And showing those things brings us to a place where we talk about the forgiveness of sins and how to enter into that kingdom of God so that our sins can be forgiven, that we wash clean and, and leave all of that behind. That's the mission of God, and God wants everyone to experience that. He wants everyone to be a part of that. And so for us individually, specifically, each one of us has places that we live, places that we work, places that we interact, and people that we interact with that God maybe has placed us in those places so that we can share the joy and the message of God, the abundant life of Jesus, with whoever is around us. That's, that's what God has given. That's, that's, all of us have that individually. Okay? Understand that the places where you have influence, you probably have more influence than I will ever have, being a minister, you know, whatever, because there's trust, there's example, there's a relationship that you have that you can share that I can never dream of having that influence. And God has given you those opportunities because he wants you, just like me and all of us, to share the joy, the peace, the mercy of God so that people can understand and come to a repentant relationship and have their sins forgiven and come into the kingdom of God. That's the, the, the mission for all of us. And that's what it boils down to. That's why we're on this earth is to fulfill that mission. And whatever our job is, wherever we live, those are, that's a great place that God is, has for us to be able to fulfill that mission. Okay, so let's talk about growing in, uh, in purposefully pursuing God's mission and pursuing growth opportunities in these areas. Because if growth is important for Jesus, continued growth, then it's important for us, isn't it? To continue to look more like what God wants us to be. So growing in wisdom, let's talk about that. How, do, how on earth do I grow in wisdom? Uh, we can, we, uh, a lot of different ways. But I know here, one of the things that we... we provide, for example, the Bible classes on Sunday morning, the Bible classes on Wednesday night, which we get into to more depth and, and uh, we finish with cookies. You know, there's been a, you know, we have a huge group that's showing up and that's something you, everyone's welcome to on Wednesday night. It's a great family time where we get into God's word in, in, a, in a, a really informal family atmosphere. It's really uh, tremendous. I, I, mean, I, gr- I gain a lot from it, from, from the comments and interaction from people. It's, it's amazing time. Uh, there's Yellowstone Bible Camp that happens during the summer. There's all the family camps and youth camps, those spiritual renewal times that we can go and we can participate there. And so those opportunities are here and they're available for us to be able to grow in wisdom. But each one of us, it's important to take that opportunity for us. And if you have children at home still or whatever your situation may be, work on providing wisdom for whoever you have influence around. I know for myself, and I've, I've shared with you, I'm auditing a class right now because I felt that I was just, I needed to be in an on, online environment where I could be listening to other people, other ministers and a professor who's talking about how to, how to lead churches in ways that are honorable and effective. And 
man, that's going to be helpful for me. I need to listen in on that. That's part of my effort to try to continue to gain wisdom and to grow spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, all that. There's great books out there that help us do that. Aside from daily prayer, daily getting into God's word, all of that, the the basics that, that hopefully all of us pursue on a regular basis. But pursuing wisdom, because when we pursue wisdom, what happens is we can be more and more what God wants us to be. We can pursue wisdom from great people of faith around us. I think, I'm a believer that you can learn from everybody around you. I never want to have, have pride to say, I don't have anything to learn from that person. I, I just think that we miss so much from each other. Um, and, and I see from, from all of you godliness in ways that, that I learn daily. I learn continually some great stuff. Uh, there's, there's people out there in our world as well that we look at and say, well, I don't want to be like that. <laughs> and, and God uses that for good. We learn to, to avoid bad decisions by watching other people make poor decisions. Those are all ways to gain and pursue wisdom. We can pursue growth opportunities in the areas of, of taking care of ourselves or strength. Now, there is, I will not go as far as saying, okay, God has designed us to be workout warriors, okay? If that's your thing, you love it, I love it, that's great, go for it. That's not everybody, okay? But what we do see is that if God has given us our bodies to be, to, to carry around our spiritual aspect, if we can say it that way, then it's important for us to take care of that as well. Um, take care of, of ourselves, because I know that when, and this is, okay, true confession here, how it is, when I get in my moments where um, I, I, God is not centered and I'm, I'm down and I'm frustrated, what I do is there is a well-worn path straight to my refrigerator, okay, and I eat and eat and eat. That's what I do. And fortunately, I like to work out and I have a, fair, a fairly quick metabolism, whatever that is. But I know that when I see myself doing that, I don't feel good. And I, I'm learning to say, all right, I need to back off. I need to pursue, I need to go on a walk, I need to do something different because I'm, I'm not pursuing God in a way that, that I'm not taking care of my body in that, okay? There's, so just that's something to consider because Jesus, um, uh, it says that Jesus grew in strength, he grew physically, and that's important for us as well to take care of ourselves that way. Uh, pursue growth opportunities in the areas of our relationship with God. Um, day in, day out, put ourselves in places where we, again, over and over, we talk about this. Wake up and say, God, I'm yours today. Help me to be part of your mission, part of your kingdom, to do stuff that matters. Every day. And we find those, and, and we grow in our relationship with God when we ask him for that. And then our relationships with others. Uh, learning how, there's two places we can really look at. There's a bunch in scripture, but, but two that are, that are very clearly evident. When I, on my soccer team, the kids know that there's two rules on my soccer team. Number one, pursue excellence in everything. In other words, run hard in practice, run hard in games, give your best. And number two is treat others the way you want to be treated, which is the golden rule that comes straight from Scripture, is treat others, we put ourselves in their situation. How would I like to be treated if I were in that situation? And then we treat them accordingly. And number two, look at the fruit of the Spirit. We can say them together. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If those things are coming out of our lives, then we're going to call other people higher, things are going to go well, and we're going to create this, this wonderful community of faith there that is, that is a safe place for, for God's people to come and, and worship and us to expand and grow. And when the opposite, when you look at the sin, acts of the sinful nature in Galatians chapter 5, divisiveness, 
the discord, all that kind of stuff that happens when we're not focusing on God and we don't have that fruit of the Spirit that is leading us, or the Spirit that is leading us, the ugly fruit comes out. So working on, when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, look at the golden rule, look at those things, and that gets us a long way teaching us how we're supposed to treat other people and how we're supposed to walk through life with others. Hey, one more thing about relationships with others, and this came up in the class that I'm taking right now. Um, how many of you, let me make sure I pronounce this word right. Okay, how many of you are familiar with the word heliotropic? Oh man, heliotropic, yeah, what? <laughs> heliotropic, okay, you're familiar with it. What it means is sunflowers are a great example of this. And we have some accidental sunflowers in our yard because we put a bird feeder up and there were sunflower seeds on there that hit the ground and now we've got sunflower se- sunflowers all around the, the sunflowers, or the bird feeder. That's the type of gardener I am. You know, it's, I, I can make that stuff go, right? And so you notice that sunflowers, when they come up, when they get big, if the sun is over here, where do they face? Over here. If the sun is over here, where do they face? They're heliotropic. What they do is they're following the energy. And plants do it in, in all sorts of different ways. Um, and you see creatures all across the earth. We are drawn to light or that energy. That, that feeds us and maintains us. And as people, we function the same way. Think about it in these terms, and this is uh, some of the things that the professor talked about. If you think about children when they grow up, they are drawn to wherever warmth is. That's where they are drawn to. And so if children grow up in, in a context where families are, are, are Bible-believing people that they see that their parents are wildly imperfect, and you know, we tell that to my kids frequently. <laughs> I'm not, you can do better than I can. But they have a dedication and a desire to follow God, and it's a place that is warm, then kids tend to, we are free will agents, and so sometimes people can choose differently, but kids tend to gravitate towards that because they see that the warmth and the energy in my life comes from and is connected to Scripture and God's Word because I see that's what's happened to my family. If a family is a, in a context where there's, there's, there's a lot of infighting, there's a lot of, of um, it, it's, a, it's a tough place where maybe they talk about the Bible a lot, but it's not, it, it's not a good experience, then if the person who is down the street who is involved in drugs is happy and smiling, then where do the kids look for warmth? They look for that warmth down the street because they find more warmth there than they do in their context. And that caused me to think quite a bit about how we as people interact. Because part of what Jesus learned growing up and that we continually learn is how do our relationships with others, how do we pursue those in such a way that we provide warmth and light for the people around us so that they are drawn to what we have to say and what we have to offer. As a individuals, as a, a community of faith, as a church. And when I look at the life of Jesus and his parents, I can't help but think that this must have been something that they demonstrated. Because Jesus continued to grow in his life, is, uh, in his relationship with others. And as it says, grace was upon him. Joseph and Mary demonstrated a warmth and a consistency and a, and a desire to follow God that not only was Jesus, but we see from church history that his brothers 
came to the table eventually and became church leaders that led many, many people to Christ and, and were a powerful testimony as witnesses to the message of Jesus. Can you imagine that? My older brother was perfect. He, was, he, was, he just did everything right. Now, not in the bad way, he just did everything right. And we didn't believe him. And we knew that you know, the, the disciples followed him around, that he was God and all that. But after he raised from the dead, finally we had all realized, we all realized what the situation was. That he really was who he said he was. And we got rid of our pride. We put our faith in him. And for generations, Jesus is, according to church history, his brothers were powerful witnesses of the work and life of Jesus. Boy, what a great example for all of us, isn't it? And Mary and Joseph demonstrated all of this. They provide an opportunity for Jesus to grow in wisdom and strength, relationship with God and relationship with others. And my prayer is that we can be people that do that and pursue those things every day and that we share the great abundant life of Jesus with the people around us. Let's stand and sing together. If you would like uh, prayers of the church or you would like um, to become a Christian today, the elders are waiting in the back to pray with you and talk with you and you're welcome to head back there. Let's stand.